time on Stone Cold Mysteries. The two look into the house to see a man in his living room, sat on a chair with his throat slit open and blood pooling at his feet. There's more to this. What could be worse than a murder? How about three? One of the officers on night duty claimed he saw a black clad figure with white hair come out from a house and when he went inside the house there was a man in a chair with his throat slit open. He greeted a woman who was in tears saying her husband and son had been murdered. The son was sitting in a chair in the other room with his throat slit open. The officer then saw the figure come from this house. Not only is there three murders, there might be some kind of death-bringing specters. What kind of ghost slits people's throats? How do you explain the black-clad figure with white hair? A costume. There's been three murders in one night, Stone. Actually, sir, it's four. I decided to check the other house. Another man was sitting in his chair with his throat slit. Four murders occurred within the bunch of houses that were on this side of town. The three that looked like they were associated with each other. I believe they are. The three houses out here are owned by the same family name. It seems like the males who were killed are all generations within the same family. Family. The grandfather, the uncle, the father, and then the son. The grandfather is Timothy Banks, and the uncle is Ferris Banks. The father is Garfield Banks, and the son is Rockford Banks. Rockford Banks was the first one to be killed then? Yes. So what was the lineup of the murders? The son was first, the father was second, the grandfather was third, and the uncle was last. It seems that the murders occurred within the perimeters of E. They started at the father's house and then went down the lawn. Is there a list of suspects? Gerald Fuller, the butler to the family, Dan Banks, Winry Banks, siblings of the dead son, Tammy Banks, the wife of the father, Sally Banks, the wife of the grandfather, Daisy Kitts, the fiancé to the son. The murderer could have killed off the woman as well, but only stuck to the men. None of the doors have false entry, so that means whoever did this had access to the house. Looks like the grandfather wasn't moved to the chair. Stone pulls a ripped piece of paper from underneath the man's arm. Looks like a page from a book. What does that say? The unhappy customer was supposed to be polished off. Shepard takes Stone to the living room. By the fireplace is a man in a chair with his throat slit. We can concur that it is the same person who killed these people. I think we should look for another piece of paper from the book. Shepard removes a ripped piece of paper from behind the man. From the legible letters and words it says, she left the place and proceeded to her sister's house as if she had not by any means committed two biological murders. Who are we questioning first, Mr. Rollins? Her name is Winry Banks. What happened when your mother woke you up? I ran to my brother's side. Did you notice anything weird about either bodies or the room? I think there was something weird about my brother's bed. Stone and Shepard get to the son's body. Something is not right about this room. It's a good thing to know that the murders were done by the same fella. The body seems relatively the same as the rest of it. Propped in a chair with his neck sliced. It doesn't seem like he was doing anything in the chair. Notebook or newspaper. I think he was dragged over here. Now we know that this is the only body of the three that was moved to the chair. Not already sitting there. There's only a mattress. That's what was wrong with the room. The bed had been stripped of its blanket. The murderer did not want us to know that the bed was the place of the murder. The son has a jacket on as well. Stone starts taking off the man's jacket and shirt. Stab wounds. He was stabbed first. I think that's what actually killed him. The victims were targeted specifically, not just random victims of a deranged killer. So this murderer has to be related to the family in some way. The three enter the living room to look at the body. I think it's safe to say he died on this chair. I also see a book in his lap. Do all the bloody men in this family read through all hours of the night? Do you know why your husband and the other men of the household been reading into the night? It was something the men always did at night. Generation after generation they were told the best time to read is when you're ready to go to sleep, but not wanting time to be wasted. My husband was teaching both of our sons the same habit. He didn't try it with Winry. You think the butler fiancé did it? Or the wench from the brothel. Both the wench and the fiancé had motive, since they were both in the relationship with one of them deceased. The men in this family just like to read at night because it is a habit they picked up from generation to generation. A way to bide their time when they couldn't sleep. Master Rockford was seeing one of those women while he was engaged to Miss Kit. 
months. But where were you at the time of the murders, Mr. Fuller? It was my only day off this week. Does anyone else know the times you get off? Besides the banks and Miss Kitts, no. Have the men of the family always read late to the night? I asked my uncle why it was a thing, and he told me that it's just a habit that the men in his family have cultivated over many generations. He said that his old man told him that reading made you look smart. Do you know why the men in your family read late into the night? My brother said that all men in the family are supposed to do it. He said that father said that reading is the only way you are going to get a good wife. Do you happen to know why the men of the house like to read late into the night? Some habit they picked up. I noticed that they only do it after I leave at 10. I once came back to the house to grab something and I noticed that Garfield just started reading. That was around 11. I also walked past Rockford's room and I heard giggling, so he must have gotten into the book. Do you know why the men in the house read late into the night? Let's just say good things come for those who wait and trick their wives into going to sleep. My father said that a man is measured by his ability to juggle life and pleasure when the wrist is invigorated. I believe I figured out why the men read. Were both Winry's and Sally Banks' answers different? Yes. So, every one of the answers were different. I'm gathering you solved the case. Let's go nab the killer, shall we? Now, we return to my mum, telling Chief, Mr. Rowan and I, that she solved the murder. That's my mum! So, what's the trade secret? How does that prove the murder? And who did it? That will be proved soon. In the meantime, I must confirm something before I accuse the murderer. Rowan and Charlie, stay here to make sure the suspects don't leave. Shepard and I will be back. But Mum, I want to go with you! We're in this together! If we're going where I think we're going, you have to stay here. You mean... Yes, the brothel. We need to have a talk with this girl, Tina Red. How do you know about Tina? I'm a private investigator, boy. I know everything. Let's get moving soon. Daylight is burning. Stone and Shepard leave Charles and Rowan with the suspects. They quickly make it to the brothel after making one of the police officers who knows where it is, show them the way. Well, here we are, London's Angels. <sighs> this is just for a case, just for the case. The two go in and ask for Tina Red. She is brought out. Hmm, you two aren't my usual clients. Uh, and we don't plan to be. We are here to ask you a few questions. I don't know nothing. That's a double negative. That means you do know something. And we haven't even asked you the questions yet. I don't know a thing. Just leave. My lips are sealed. Really? We just want to ask you about one of your clients. Rockford Banks. Banks? Is he okay? Why do you need to know about him? He and three members of his family were murdered. Garfield, Ferris, and Timothy. What? They all died? That's terrible. They were so nice. Our best clients. You mean they all used your services? Not mine for all four. Gosh, no. That would run me dry. All four of them had different favorites. I just so happened to be Rockford's. And this happened late at night? Of course. And always at their places. It was always around 10 or 10.30. I knew it. Thank you. You've just helped me solve the case. Sure thing. And if you two need anything else... Have him call me. She smiles and walks away. Stone and Shepard leave. You will never call her. But of course not. The two go back to the bank's house to go to the suspects and accuse the murderer. Oh, you're back. Yes, and you will be needed. Come on, you three. Let's go finish this. Stone, Shepard, Charles, and Officer Rowan go upstairs. The women, Fuller, and Dan are all there waiting impatiently. They look up once the four come up the stairs. Oh, finally, I think this has gone on long enough. 
Can you please tell us who murdered our family so we may mourn and get on? Of course. Sorry, ma'am. Sometimes cases do go on for quite a while, but we are ready now. So, who did it? The only person who could have, Miss Kitts. And that's you. What? Me? Are you insane? But she was in love with Rockford. Why would she kill her fiancé? Because he was cheating on her with a woman named Tina Red. A woman in a brothel, no less. Are you serious? How is this possible? How do you know? How does she know? Simple. The napkin in Rockford Bank's room that said her name and the brothel. She was giving him a calling card to use her services. Excuse me, Miss Stone, but this hardly makes sense. Besides, you can't just accuse someone without probable cause or evidence, so... Yes, I will touch on that in a moment. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Last night, a killer under the guise of Sweeney Todd came into these three houses to kill four people in the Banks household, all of which were men. They came into the first house and killed Rockford and Garfield, then they killed Timothy, and then they killed Ferris. All were killed sitting in a chair with their throats slit and left with a calling card to pin the blame on the fictional serial killer. They eluded the police who were trying to catch them and managed to get away with four murders in one night. Or so they thought. The thing they did wrong was moving Rockford's body from the bed to the chair, removing the bedding from the bed, and stabbing Rockford in the chest instead of simply slitting his throat. This was done because the murderer meant to kill Rockford first, for breaking her heart, and then to kill the other men because they, too, were unfaithful. This is insane! How can you claim this to be true? Well, several things gave me pause. You know them, right, Shepard? I believe it's the lack of concern that she had for the murders, the knowledge of a Sweeney Todd wannabe, the fact that she was the only one who thought the banks had enemies, and the fact that she knew what the brothel was, correct? Plus, you were weirdly concerned with the whereabouts of Dan. What?! I told you that I knew about the brothel because you hear it around, and I was concerned about the murders, and why wouldn't I be concerned about Dan? And I told you that the police officer... She notices the police officer in the room and cuts her words short. What was that? I believe you said that the police officer told you that the murdered people had cut throats, and the murderer was impersonating Sweeney Todd. Am I right, Shepard? Oh, yes. I definitely remember that. Why did you stop talking? Did you lie? No, no, no. Of of course not. You would have had my job on my head. I only told her her family was murdered and that she was needed for questioning. See, you painted yourself into a corner. You were the only one who knew sensitive information, and the only one who could have done it. Okay, this may be true, but I don't understand what you mean by unfaithfulness. All the men who died have been going behind your back by having relations with other women under the guise of reading late at night. What? Th- that's crazy. They read at night not to waste time doing nothing. What? No, the men at night read to make them drowsy so they sleep better. Nuh-uh. The men at night read to get a good wife. Good wives know books. Good wives read. I believe you all are mistaken. The men read to not look stupid when questioned. Do you see the problem? None of the men kept their stories straight, but none of you cared to ask. All the time, they would pretend to read, and then the woman from the brothel would enter the home and sleep with the men. Dan knows this. He was learning the family trade. Dan? Is this true? Are you some low-down, ugly cheater? Uh, uh, Of course not, Winry. How stupid can you be? She's not stupid! Anyone who commits themselves to a life of cheating is the stupid one! I know that Miss Kitts found about the cheating and then realized that the reading was just a guise and decided to take matters into her own hands. 
by killing all of the men in the house. That's why you were concerned with the whereabouts of Dan. Because he was the one who got away. He was dirty, too. Well, of course he was. That little brat was listening to the lies and silver-tongued words of terrible, terrible men. He was going to break some girl's heart as well. I found out and talked to him. And Rothford wasn't even sorry. He said that this is how life is. He deserved pleasure. He deserved a wife. And then another on the side. And after all the things he said about staying pure until the wedding, he was a hypocrite, a liar. All of them are. And that little boy, he's evil too. At that moment, Kitts lunged towards Dan. She grabbed him by the throat, but was tackled by the police officer, who quickly subdued her in handcuffs. Good reflexes, Rowan. I couldn't have had a child be killed, even if I do sympathize with the girl. Cheating is deplorable. That wretched man! All this time we were married, how many times has he been with, with some other woman? My brothers, my father, my uncle, my grandfather. They're all terrible liars. I hate them. Winry. Go away. You broke my heart. Even though we fought, I still thought you were reliable. I thought Rockford was reliable. I was wrong. I'm ashamed. Terribly ashamed. I knew that Rockford was doing it, but he swore me to secrecy because I could lose my job. If only I had noon. You should have spoken up. But what's done is done. We have a lot to mourn. My children, a lot to mourn. Kitts is taken away crying, and Shepard, Stone, and Charles leave. I can't believe I thought Dan would be a good friend. It wasn't your fault. That boy was a good liar. But I think he honestly believed that what was going on was okay. That's why I love my job. When it comes to my love, I will always find the dirty skeletons in the closet and cut the man from my life before he hurts me. uh, have, Have you done that before? No, but if I do, I will. Well, I... Don't have any skeletons in my closet. I'm as honest as a man can get. I know, Shepard. That's what I love about you. You're an open book, and it's a book that I love. Gosh, Stone. What? Was that a confession? Was was that it? I, I was just telling Shepard that I appreciate his honesty. Jeez. Goodbye, Shepard. We have to go home. Yeah, sure, Stone. Uh, goodbye. Stone gives one last glance to Shepard before dragging Charles away towards home. WCUG Cougar Radio presents the 15th episode of the popular radio drama Stone Cold Mysteries. Please pay attention for this show is interactive. It is February 18, 1891 in the dark streets of London. It is 10 at night as the intrepid private investigator is at home putting together all of the pieces of the puzzle to a recent murder case she has been hired to solve. The taxed police chief has finished handling a rowdy prisoner and decides to get the lowdown on the private investigator's progress. Will their talk be friendly, or will he be sorry he called? Well, let's tune in and find out. Stone sits at her desk reading the notes she took from the crime scene. Darn it! I can't believe I'm actually using my notepad. It's been years since I did that. But since the murderer killed so late, I had to do it. I wanted to solve the murder before Charlie came home. And now I'm talking to myself. Great. Charlie will be home any minute, and work is going to cut into me being able to spend time with... Wait. Stone notices something in her notes and actually begins to focus. This... this is it! My gosh, I've solved the case! That's where the killer went wrong! The manager... Hello? Hello, Stone. How are things going with the case? We finally finished hanging the loony, so I'm free to help now. No need. I just solved the case. Well, that was quick. 
You told me about four hours ago that you got the case. Well, I was driven by the need to spend time with my son without work getting in the way. How is Charlie, anyway? Didn't you say he was at a friend's house? Is he back? No, and it wasn't just any friend. It was Bonnie. Oh, really? The boy has been spending time with her a lot, hasn't he? I'm glad he's found such a good friend. They swear it's love. It's so adorable. So, who killed John Sonny? Oh, you'll never believe this. And why he did it was pretty crazy, too. It was... Charles Stone! Why are you slamming doors? What's going on? Charlie must be home. The door just opened. Stone looks out of the kitchen and sees a person. You're not Charlie. Who are you? How'd you get in here? The person looks up at Stone. Stone is clearly shocked. You! You're the one who killed John Sully! The person takes a step towards Stone. Stone? What's going on? No, no, don't do anything hasty. I already know you killed him. Now I'm going to... few minutes pass as Charles walks in. Hey, Mom! I'm home! Charles is oblivious to the scene in the kitchen as he closes the door. He hasn't seen anything yet. Man! Bonnie's got a dog now! You should have seen it! It was so cute! Mr. Rowan is so... Charles walks into the kitchen, and the sight he sees is horrid. Stone is slumped against the wall, blood spilling all over the floor. Lifeless. Mom! 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 Charlie runs over to her and goes to touch her, but doesn't know what to do. Mom? Mom! Wake up! Mom! What are you doing? No! Mom! He puts a hand on her chest, and it comes away red. He starts to breathe heavily. That's when he hears Shepard on the phone. Hello? Hello, who's there? Is someone there? What's going on? There's blood all over the floor. I don't know what to do. Mom is bleeding. I think she's dying. I don't know what to do. What? Step. A 
along the byway And more, much more than this I did it my way Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off more than I could chew But through it all When there was doubt I ate it up And spit it out I faced it all And I stood tall And did it my way I've loved I've laughed and cried had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say. Not in a shy way Oh no Oh no, not me I did it my way For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself Then he has not Shepard gets to Stone's house in a flash, followed by other policemen, a doctor, and nurses. People are looking out of their doors or standing in the hallway trying to see what happened. The police, doctor, and nurses barge into the home. Mrs. Lawlin is in the room freaking out, and Charles runs into Shepard, crying. Mom! Miss Lawlin! What's happened? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I heard some noises go off like a bang. 
while I was on the first floor, so I ran to the second floor to figure out what happened. I didn't notice anything off. The attacker must have found a way to sneak past me. And then the little puppy comes in. And then I hear a scream. So I ran inside and saw the little puppy sobbing on the floor near Miss Stone. Then I called the hospital and the police. I'm glad they actually believed me this time. That's because we could hear some kid crying on the other end. <laughs> Come on, Charlie. There's no time for that. We must get to Stone. She's not dead. I refuse to believe that. Shepard and the others go over to Stone. A doctor leans down to her face. She's still breathing. Nurse, give me the rag to stop her bleeding and let's get her to the medical carriage. We must bring her to the hospital now. Go! The nurses scramble to do as the doctor says. The doctor passes. The doctor presses the rag on Stone's wound as she helps the nurses put her onto the stretcher. Her head lolls about. Mrs. Lawlin leaves the room to push the onlookers out of the way for the stretcher so it can get through quickly. Is my mom going to be okay? Please, she has to be. You have to help her. I'm going to do everything I can, sir. We won't let her die so easily. They leave and the room is left with an eerie silence, only broken by the soft sobbing of Charles, followed by an eruption of anger from Shepard. <laughs> Reacting! Down it! Down it all! Chief! She solved the darn case, and the murderer comes here and tries to kill her. That dirty rat will regret ever doing this. She, she solved the case? That's why this happened? She wanted to solve it before you came home so she could spend time with you. That's... that's what she said. And instead she's dying! She gets shot because some coward wants to play with life and death! I hate this! Mom was the only one trying to do the right thing! I know. There was always risk to this job, but I didn't realize... It's not fair! Mom didn't deserve this! The murderer did! We have to find the killer and then shoot him! Charlie! As much as I would love to do that, Charlie, we can't kill a man. That's murder. I didn't say kill. I said shoot. I see your point. Come on. We are going to find ourselves a killer, Charlie. And we are going to do it now. Yeah! Let's go, Chief! And I know just where to start. Sully's printing press. Shepard and Charles make it to the printing press at 12 a.m. and no one is there. Hello? Hello! Darn it. I should have known that no one was going to be here tonight. It's too late. We have to come back here in the morning. But I want to condemn that scumbag now! As do I. But we really can't do anything when we know nothing. Stone's notebook had papers ripped out, and she didn't say anything over the phone. I can only assume the killer ripped out the pages. That slimy rat! He hurt, he hurt my mum! Hey now, there's no need to cry. Stone is going to be okay. I promise, we need to be strong for her and find the killer, okay? Uh, okay, let's go home then. And we will be back here, bright and early. The file describing the body should be back at the police station, though. And since a police officer documented it with Stone there, it should have every detail we need about the body. Are we, are we going to get that now? Yes. I would like to know everything I should ask the suspects before we get there. For efficiency. And that is something we can do at the present moment. Then, then let's go already. Shepard and Charles run to the police station. They get there about 20 minutes later. Goodness, uh, I didn't realize the police station was so far from the printing press. <laughs> <laughs> You're so old. <laughs> You're breathing hard too. 
Shepard opens the door with his keys and walks into the station. He and Charles go to his office. <sighs> ah, there it is, right on my desk, like I asked them to put it. Oh, your men are quite reliable. Yes, they are. I make it a point to only hire, <coughs> hire people that would make this station in this town better. Shepard opens the file. <sighs> hmm. We should open this up when we get home. I don't want to have to carry you back if you fall asleep. I won't fall asleep. I don't know, Charlie. It's been a pretty awful and long day. In fact, we have already reached tomorrow. We both need the rest. I'm not saying that you have to go to sleep, but I'm saying that we should be home. Fine. I can't wait to get back to my bed. No. Sorry, Halfpint. We are going to my apartment. I can't have you sleeping in that apartment by yourself. I'm going to make my couch as comfortable as possible, but that's all I can do. Is there anything that you want from your apartment before we go? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Shepard nods and the two head off for Stone's apartment. Once they get there, Charles heads off to get his things. Shepard looks around the kitchen. Looks like that's the bullet hole. Shepard touches his fingers to the hole in the wall and feels something metal. What? He digs it out and it's a bullet. My gosh, what luck! I can't believe the bullet didn't go farther into the wall. This looks like the bullet from the Enfield MK2. That means this was a gun within the army about ten years ago. I haven't seen one of these in forever. They were very short-lived guns. That means the attacker and murderer was either in the army, someone in his family was, or he collected this gun. Shepard looks around more and happens to smell smoke. Is that smoke? Yes, that is smoke. But Stone doesn't smoke. That must be the murderer! He must have been smoking while he was here! So we are looking for a smoker with ties to the army. Shepard looks over at Charles, who has a pillow, an extra pair of overalls, and a book. Why do you have the pillow? I have a bunch of pillows. I want it! But you don't need it. I want it! But Charlie, there's just seconds- I want it! It's Mum's pillow! It smells like her! I just want to hug her. I'm scared. I want to be with Mum. I love her. I'm sorry. You can bring the pillow. You'll be happy to know that I found some clues in here to help us find that murderer. This bullet and the smoke smell. So... That's why you said we are looking for a smoker with the ties to the army. Right. Now we should head on to my home before you get too tired. Sure thing, Chief. Shepard and Charles go to Shepard's apartment. They get in and Shepard's Charl- They get in and Shepard makes Charles's bed on the couch. Then he sits in a chair by the couch and opens the file. Charles sits on the couch with Stone's pillow. What's it say? Well, let's see. Obviously, the murdered guy was John Sully. He was shot three times. I assume that the gun the murderer used is the same one that Stone got shot with. Good thing he didn't shoot her more times. Yeah? What else does it say? There were no other abrasions or injuries on his body, so we assumed there was no struggle. The drawer to his desk was open with blood on it, so Stone said that the victim tried to open him before he got shot. There was a gun case in the drawer, which was opened and empty, so we assumed the murderer shot Sully with Sully's gun. There were no locks on the gun case. The murderer might have been someone who knew Sully to be able to know he kept a gun in his drawer. Maybe an employee? It's hard to tell until we question all the people within the building. There was a footprint in the blood. The big feet must have been the murderers. The manager, Ray Medal, who was in the room with us, said he saw three people from trying to leave the vicinity. That he doesn't remember being hired by Sully. 
Natalie Fraser, Graham Beeks, and George Lament. The manager was just hired, though, so we can't be sure if his statement holds water. We need to question these three thoroughly. Also, there are two doors within the office of the victim, and the office is tucked away from everything else, so the murderer could easily get out and reconvene with the others and not draw suspicions. So there was no way that anyone could have seen the murderer unless they were there. Lastly, there was a letter in the room that Stone decided was pertinent to the case. I don't know how it is, but I included it in the file. Shepard brings the letter from out of the file and reads it. It's a letter from a manager within the Stanford company. It's crinkled too. Stone must have gotten it from the trash. I would assume either the murderer or the victim wanted to dispose of it. It says that a large sum of money would be given to John Sully if he sold his printing company to the Stanford company. He would still be allowed to work there, but he would be able to retire and live well for the rest of his life if he didn't. The Stanford company would also give all the employees a good sum of money and a new job as well. Well, if the victim threw this away, it must mean that Sully didn't want to sell. Why does Stone think that this is pertinent to the case? Well, I trust her. Maybe we will stop by the Stanford company if the murder can't be solved without it. How does that sound, Halfpoint? Shepard looks over and sees Charlie fast asleep on the couch, hugging Stone's pillow. Shepard sighs with a smile. I'm glad we did come home. I knew you would fall asleep. Shepard goes over and pulls the blankets over Charles before patting his head. Don't worry, Charlie. I swear on my life that we will apprehend this monster, and we will make him pay. And every time it rains, it rains. Panthers from heaven. be to be. Don't you know each cloud contains panthers from heaven? be to be. You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be sure that your umbrella is up, 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 upside down. And trade them for a package of sunshine and ravioli. Macaroni. If you want the thing you love, you must have a pizza holy, baby. And when you hear thunder, don't run under a tree. It'll be pennies from heaven for you and me. Now come over here, boy, Sam. And every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confident? Every time it rains, it rains. And don't you know it's confident? You find your fortune falling. All of a time, all of a time, all of a time.
need to brush up on your geography, but everyone you know has that boring old globe. Well, come to Planets and get yourself our brand new square globe. What makes this model better? You can fit it in places globes can't fit. The corner of your room, between two random boxes, anywhere. So come down to Planets and get yourself a square globe. Around 12 p.m. the next day, Shepard and Charles make it to Sully's printing press. They walk up to the doors. I can't believe they open up so late in the day. My thoughts exactly. But are you ready, Halfpint? Yes, more than ready. All right, then. Shepard and Charles go in. They are greeted by the manager. Hello. Can I help you? Yes. Are you Ray Meadow? Indeed I am. Who is asking? Police Chief Carter Shepard and my helper, Charles Stone. Stone? Like the woman who came here last night with a few police officers? Yes, that's correct. We came here to ask some questions to get to the bottom of the murder of John Sully. Wasn't that her job? Will you just shut up and answer the questions? This is the police chief you're talking to! Charlie, calm down. Nice helper. You're the manager, are you not? Yes, Mr. Sully hired me because he was getting a little swamped with paperwork and wanted me to oversee some of the business and manage the employees. He hired me about four days ago. Do you remember anything about that day? No, I'm pretty sure I was the only hire, but who knows. All right. Where were you at the time of John Sully's murder? I was in the darkroom at the time, developing some photos for the paper. I heard a shot ring out, and I left the darkroom as fast as I could. The detective said to her officers that I wasn't lying because she saw toning fluid on my jacket. It must have splashed up when I ran out of there. I saw three people beginning to leave the area once the shot rang out. I stopped them before they left. Yes, I know. Stone told me. Anyway, was Sully planning to meet anyone at the time of the murder? Not that I know of. That detective asked me that too. Great minds think alike. Do you know anything about Sully selling this press to the Stanford Company? I think he did tell me to tell the Stanford Company that he refused the offer. I told them in person about three days ago. Mr. Sully wanted me to do it that way. The Stanfords seemed nice, though. They told me that they understood and that they hoped the business of ours would flourish and if we changed our mind to contact them immediately. I told them that Mr. Sully was pretty adamant about not selling. He was actually very livid at even the thought of it. The Stanfords then said that they would have to make a printing press of their own. That's rather admirable, actually. I suppose... I'm quite upset that I still had to travel there. I'm also upset that Sully turned him down. All of us could have gotten a large chunk of change for him selling. It was an upward of 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds? Is the Stanford Company made of gold? I don't know. At least I'm in charge of the printing press now. At least I will get more money that way. No wonder you were a bit upset. So who were the employees that worked yesterday? Out of the 16 employees, only seven were working that day, including me. And the three that tried to leave. Yes, that's right. I also don't remember them being hired, but I could be wrong. Actually, after Mrs. Frazier got mad at me for saying that she wasn't hired, I looked at the roster for the names, and her name was there. What are the names of the people you were working with, then? Jerry Woods, Melissa Lindsay, Linda Black, George Lamont, Natalia Frazier, and Graham Bix. Are they all working today? Actually, yes. All of them work today as well. I made sure of that in case the detective needed to come back and question them. Guess that was a good thing to do. Here's a list of where they are stationed. Wonderful. Come on, Charlie. Hi, Chief. 
They both leave to go question Jerry Woods, the first on the list. They get to him shortly afterwards. Are you Jerry Woods? Yes, I am. Who are you? We are the police. We came to ask you a few questions. I thought this was over with when I was questioned by that detective yesterday. Shouldn't she have solved the murder already? I thought she was the famous hotshot detective that solves all the crimes. That doesn't concern you. If you don't cooperate, you will be jailed for hindering a police investigation. Do you comply? Y- yes, uh, of course. I don't want to be jailed. Good. Don't you think that's a bit excessive, though? Someone was murdered! You think that being able to find the killer is excessive? No. Jeez. What are the questions? First, I would like to know where you were at the time of the murder. Oh, I was in the printing room. This room. With Miss Lindsay. We were printing off the pages that our writing team had just typed up. Aren't printing presses automatic? Yes, they are. But it's been acting weird lately. Miss Lindsay and I decided to oversee it to make sure that the press was printing it correctly. So what happened after that? We both heard the gunshot, so we rushed upstairs to see where we heard it, and we saw Metal trying to corral everyone, and then, shortly after, the detective ran into the building. Really? Why was she there? She was just walking to the market to pick up dinner, and she just happened to be there when the gunshot went off. Stone really is a death magnet. Do you write for the press as well? No, Lindsay and I take pictures for the paper. Do you smoke? No, I hate the smell. I can't stand smoking. What's your foot size? They don't look too big. Um, who is this kid? These questions don't make any sense. Never mind that. But no, your feet don't seem like the right size anyway. Do you know of anyone who had a motive to kill Mr. Sully? Well, I suppose we're all a bit upset that he turned down the offer for the Stanford Company. I know I could have used extra money and still had a job. But other than that, I suppose Miss Fraser and Mrs. Black were always upset with Mr. Sully's overbearing nature. They were our two best writers. Mr. Sully always gave them a hard time if their work was subpar compared to their abilities. And how often was that? To be honest, it seemed like all the time. They both, within drunken stupors, or when they thought no one could hear them within their offices, expressed the desire to kill the man. Did you notice anything weird at the time of the murder? No, but I did notice that there was someone in the building that didn't work here, to my knowledge, and didn't look like a policeman. Did you know who they were? Like, could you describe them? No, I couldn't even if I tried. It's not like I really cared who the person was. I actually kind of assumed that they were with the detective, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was a male, though. All right. Is that all you can tell us? Yes, I believe that's all I told the detective anyway. Can we search really quick? I just want to make sure you don't have anything to smoke. Are you serious? Actually, that would be helpful. Really? Just don't question it. Shepard searches woods and finds nothing to smoke. See, I told you, I hate them. I just wanted to make sure. That helped this investigation. I think you're innocent. I would hope so. Jeez, I can't believe I was searched again. Quit your whining. Where is Melissa Lindsay? She's over there on that side of the printing press. Didn't I tell you that we were overseeing it? It's a big press. We didn't see her. Whatever. I have to get back to work. Woods leaves to go back to sorting some papers by his side of the press. Wait, did he say that he was searched again? I think so. I wonder what he meant. We can ask him later if it comes to it. Shepard and Charles cross to the other side where Lindsay is working. You're Melissa Lindsay? Yes, that's me. What do you want? We are the police and we just have some questions about the recent murder. Again? I was already questioned yesterday. Yes, yes we know. This is just a checkup. It happens. We want to make sure you don't change your story. Oh, so you're in the process of seeing who's lying. That would be correct. Wonderful. What would you like to know? Where were you at the time of the murder? Oh, my alibi. 
Let's see. I was down here with Jerry Woods printing off pages that our writing team had struck up. Aren't printing presses automatic? Yes, but Oz was doing some funny things with the text and the paper, so we were watching it and making sure everything went smoothly. Then what happened? We both heard the gunshots. We dropped what we were doing, ran upstairs to make sure everything was all right, and lo and behold, we see Mr. Meddle trying to keep everyone in check because Mr. Sully was murdered. A few moments later, a detective came in claiming she had been near when the gunshots went off and came in to see what the problem was. I guess that was lucky for us. She said that no one had left the building, so the people Mr. Meddle gathered were definitely the ones who could have killed Mr. Sully. So Jerry Woods is your alibi? Yes, and I'm his. I suppose you could say that we did the murder together, but I really doubt that holds water, especially since we were down here at the time of the murder. Do you write articles for the paper? Goodness, no. I couldn't even if I wanted to. I never had a knack for writing. No. Woods and I take pictures for the paper. That's it. Do you smoke cigarettes or cigars? No, I don't. I saw what those things did to my friend's teeth. I'd rather not have a damaged smile. Plus, the awful things smell bad. I do drink, though. Your feet must be small, huh? I mean, yes. I don't know too many women with large feet. Is that even a pertinent question? When the murder happened, did you notice anything weird? No, just that all of us were in a confined space being questioned by a detective that just so happened to be here. That was weird, actually. It's like she knew it was going to happen. I mean, how many times do detectives just stumble upon a crime? She's a private investigator! And you'd be surprised. Anyway, are you sure you didn't notice anything? I'm pretty sure. If I remember anything, I'll tell you. All right. Do you know if anyone had motives to kill Mr. Sully? We all did after he turned down that great business offer to Stanford Company. But I honestly don't think anyone would kill someone over that. Well, I guess people will kill for anything, really. I mean, I don't know why Mr. Sully had to die. But other than that, I can only think of two people who might have had it out for him. Miss Fraser and Mrs. Black. They were this paper's finest writers... And if Mr. Sully didn't think they were working to their potential, he sure did let them know. If I was talked to like he talked to them, I bet I'd want to kill him too. So they wanted to kill him? I mean, I'm sure not literally, but they certainly expressed their fondness of him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we do. Can we search you? We need to make sure you aren't lying about the smoking thing. Is that really necessary? You already know I didn't do it. I had an alibi. The quicker you comply, the quicker this gets done. Unless you want to go to jail. My goodness! I hope I don't ever get caught up in this mess again. Fine, just hurry. Shepard goes through her pockets and finds nothing that can be smoked. See? Jeez, it's like officers and detectives have to be skeptical over all of this. The detectives searched me too, the nerve. Wait, she searched you too? Yes, she said something about it was pertinent to the case. I just don't get it. What makes smoking so important? Well, that's all the questions we have. Is there anything else you can tell us? Like I said, if I have anything else, I'll find you. I'll find you. She goes back to work. People don't really like getting searched. Tough luck. Let's go talk to Mrs. Black now. She's next on the list. Shepard and Charles go back upstairs to Linda Black. She is writing furiously at her desk. Excuse me, are you Linda Black? Yes. Can we talk to you? We have some questions. Okay. Okay. So... Black still doesn't respond, and Shepard starts to get a little angry. Excuse me? She still doesn't respond. Ma'am! What? 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 What could you possibly want? I said you could ask me the questions, so hurry up. I need your full attention. Excuse me, sir. Not to be rude, but 
Time is money. I can't just drop everything to answer some stupid questions for someone who doesn't work here. Who are you anyway? We are police officers. He's the chief. You better pay attention and answer the questions. Black then turns around. The police are back again? What happened this time? No. This time we are here on the account of the murder that happened the other day of your boss, Mr. Sally. He's not my boss anymore. He's dead. We understand that. We have to question you. Didn't the detective do that already? I thought this was over with. I have a deadline, sir! We have to check you again, okay? Just cooperate and this will be over quickly. Fine, what can I do for you? Where were you at the time of the murder? Here, as always, typing madly away at my typewriter. Trying to reach a deadline, as usual. In fact, this article was the article I was working on, so I'm having less and less time to finish it because of this darn murder. And then I will have to do an article on the murder. What sick irony. Can anyone corroborate your story? No, I suppose not. But I didn't do it. I never have the time. But I suppose you won't take that answer. The detective didn't. Well, what happened after that? Well, when I heard the gunshots, I ran to see what the matter Well, more like hobbled. I hadn't gotten up from my chair since I started writing, so I hadn't gotten used to standing yet. But I went in and saw Mr. Metal bring back Miss Fraser and two of these people I didn't know. And then Miss Lindsay and Mr. Woods came barreling up the stairs. That's when the detective ran in as well. Who was those people you didn't know? If I knew that, I wouldn't have said the people I didn't know. He means, can you describe them? Not really. I thought they were police officers at the time, but that didn't really make sense after the detective called in. They were probably some new hires, and I just didn't get the chance to meet them yet. I mean, I'm pretty oblivious to what's going on while I'm writing. And I'm always writing. The only reason I knew Miss Fraser is because I worked with her in writing. She's a new hire, too. Well... I suppose that's better than nothing. So was that the only weird thing that you noticed about the crime? Well, I noticed that Mr. Sully didn't have his gun out. So I suppose the killer got to Mr. Sully before he could get out his gun. But Mr. Sully was found dead right where his gun would have been. So I really don't know. The murder must have been fast. How long have you been working for Mr. Sully? About ten years. So you would know that he had a gun? Well, we had a break-in about six years ago. He used it on the assailant, got him right in the arm. I don't know what happened to the thief, but we never had a break-in after that. Do you smoke, lady? No, my husband does, though. Do you smell it on me or something? No, but can I search you for it? Of course not. I already went through that dreadful business with the detective. She didn't find a thing. Just oblige us, ma'am. <sighs> Shepard searches her and finds nothing to smoke. I take it as an insult. You don't believe me. I'm not in the job of believing. My job is rooted on suspicion. Everyone is lying until I prove their innocence. Your feet are kind of small, huh? Yes, I'm a size six. A few people said that you were pretty mad with the man. You do have a motive, you know. In that case, Miss Fraser has a motive too. That man Sully bowed us down on us so much about our writing. It was criminal. Ever since a year ago, somehow our competitor got better and he started working us writers like dogs. Especially in Italian eye. About five months ago... The competitors stopped being so great, but Mr. Sully kept pushing us. It was horrendous. So yes, I wanted to kill him, but it was with love. We got to be better writers because of it. Besides, everyone technically had a motive since he turned down the business offer from Stanford Company. So we've heard. People sure do like money. Is that all? Can I get back to my work? I suppose so. Unless you have anything else you can tell me. No, nothing else. Black goes back to furiously typing away. Shepard and Charles go to the other side of Black's desk to question Fraser. She's also furiously typing away. Excuse me, are you Natalia Fra- Yeah, yeah, that's me. You have questions for me, huh? I overheard a bit of what you were talking about with Linda Black. 
She finds a stopping point in her writing and turns to face them. So, what can I help you with? Oh, well, uh, <clears throat> well, thank you for being so accommodating. Well, it's certainly better to be questioned now instead of being questioned yesterday. What happened yesterday? I had just finished throwing up when I was hassled into talking with a detective. I think I ate something weird for lunch. Must have gone sour. Well, I'm glad you were feeling better from yesterday. The first question we have is where were you at the time of the murder? I was in the bathroom near the door to go home because, as I said, I was feeling very ill. I was feeling fine all morning until I got to lunch. After I ate, I felt fine until a few hours later. Then everything hit me. I was in the bathroom for a while. I didn't even hear the gunshots go off. I was in so much pain. But when I came out, Mr. Metal thought I was leaving, and he roughly shooed me along as all the others came from their respective workstations. And then what? And then I saw that Mr. Sully had been shot. And the next thing I knew, I was being questioned by a detective that just so happened to be on the scene. The whole day was a blur thanks to my lunch. I'll never eat from Benny's Fish Hut again. Lady, that's your fault. Everyone knows Benny's Fish Hut is the worst place to eat ever. Everyone gets sick there. It's not my fault. I just moved here from Camden about a year ago and no one warned me. Jeez, that place should be condemned. I'm surprised it hasn't been already. Anyway, I threw up in the middle of questioning with that detective so she took my story as the truth. I couldn't have done that murder. So, you write for the paper? Yes, along with Linda Black. I started working here about a year ago. Just my luck, though. That was about a week before the work got a whole lot tougher. A year ago? But Miss Black said you were a new hire, and Mr. Meadow doesn't remember you being an employee. Seriously? Ugh, that scatterbrain has been calling me a new hire since I got hired. It's ridiculous. She doesn't pay much attention to her surroundings whatsoever. And regarding Mr. Meadow, the only reason he doesn't know me is because I wasn't here the day he was hired. In fact, I came back to work yesterday when the murder happened. That was my first day back on my new schedule. We only work four days in a week, which includes weekends, but we work for hours. Pros and cons, you know. I guess he hasn't looked at the roster yet. I told him to do that. Actually, he did. I remember him saying that you were hired and he just didn't see it until after you got mad at him. Jeez, it's not like my name isn't on a bunch of the papers around here. Speaking of that, I heard you didn't care for Mrs. Sully. That's a motive, you know. Sure, I didn't really care for him. He worked Mrs. Black and I like dogs every day we were here because he believed us to be the best writers and the ones that could pull us ahead of the competition. I don't even know how many times I had to go without sleep because that man bumped up the deadlines and shot down my work until it was perfect. So, yeah, I didn't really like him, but I wouldn't kill him. That's just crazy. Besides, if you want motive, look no further than the £2,000 deal that Mr. Sully gave up for his pride. Everyone harboured a little bit of contempt for him after that. That seems to be a theme here. Did you notice anything weird about the murder and the scene? To be honest, I don't even remember the body. I just remember a lot of blood. I was super ill at the time, like I said, and the sight and smell of blood didn't help. So no one was out of place? Don't you mean nothing was out of place? Anyway, no, I told you I didn't notice anything. I was focused on going home. Do you smoke? Occasionally, but is that a crime? What's your foot size? Is that really a question to ask a lady? Well, I guess that detective asked me that too. Um, I'm a size seven. Too small, chief. I know. 
And you are absolutely sure you didn't notice anything? Gosh, I noticed that this company bought a new batch of toilet paper. Does that help? Sorry, that's all the questions we have. You can get back to work. Thank you. I do hope you find this killer. Then I can write about you in the paper. Shepard and Charles leave her as they go to find George Lamont. There may be trouble ahead But while there's moonlight and music And love and romance Let's face the music and dance Before the fiddlers have fled Before they ask us to pay the bill And while we still have the chance Let's face the music and dance Soon we'll be without the moon Humming a different tune And then There may be teardrops to shed So while there's moonlight and music And love and romance Let's face the music and dance. Let's face the music and the moon humming a different tune and then there may be teardrops to shed so while there's moonlight and music and love and romance let's face the music and dance let's face the music and dance upset because there's crust on their sandwiches? Do you just not like how it tastes? Does it take too much time to cut off the crust one by one? Then get yourself a decruster from your local convenience store. It's just like a cookie cutter, but it's sized to just the dimensions where the crust starts. With four sharp sides, the crust is cut cleanly off. No fuss. And with our second project, the decruster cutter, you can decrust the sandwich and cut it diagonally as well. Don't waste time with crust. Get your decruster today. Hello. Hello, Jack. Victoria, you sound angry, my dear. What's the matter? That idiot we had get hired by John Solly went and committed a faux pas. What did they do? They went and shot Samantha Stone. Worst part, she isn't even dead. The idiot got all uppity when she started questioning everyone at the printing press. That's when they decided to off her before they were found out. But lo and behold, they couldn't even do that right. 
We told them just kill Sully. That's it. If you get caught, go down with a cyanide capsule. Now the police chief is getting all up in the murder with a feeling of revenge because Stone was shot. It's just a matter of time before he figures out the murder and the idiot decides to take matters into their own hands again. Where's our little mole now? Back at their job in the printing press. I told them over the phone that they better be there so they don't raise suspicion. Heaven knows that if one person doesn't show up for work the next day that they would be the most suspicious. Any idiot would be able to put two and two together, and now our pawn has captured too many players. Made too many tracks. I know. And we can't have that. It's about six in the afternoon now. The police chief should be done with his investigations before he checks up on the detective, or when he goes home to ponder the clues. I want you to be at our pawn's house. Inside it? Yes. You will send them a little greeting. You will make an offer they can't refuse, and please, my love, let it be an offer that involves cyanide mixed with some undetectable poison that will make him suffer. Yes. Our little failure must learn the ways of the world. If the pawn tries to be the king, the pawn will find himself crushed by his own army, dangling in front of the other side's queen as a fall guy, for lack of a better term. Yes, my kitten. I love the way you think. In fact, I couldn't have said it any better. Yes, my dear. Their game ends now. I will make sure of it. Shepard and Charles get to George Lamont. He is in the dark room. I've never been in a dark room, Chief. Neither have I. But if Lemon isn't going to come out, we are going in. George Lamont, I'm Police Chief Carter Shepard and my subordinate Charles Stone. Either come out and talk to us or we're coming in. Lamont quickly comes out from within the darkness. You can't go in there. Heaven knows how much damage ignorant outsiders could do with the room almost pitch black. Are you insulting us? I came out, didn't I? What do you want? We are here to talk about the murder of John Sully. Again? I've already been questioned. We know! We're just checking up on things. All we want is for you to answer. If you don't, you will be jailed for hindering police investigation. Fine, fine. Let's just get this over with before the pictures are ready. Hurry up. First question. Where were you at the time of the murder? Easy. I was getting ready to leave to go get something to eat. A late lunch. Next question. This isn't a game! Elaborate! I was getting ready to go out to eat because I wasn't able to just leave my work when I would have normally gone out to eat. When the gunshots went off, I had gotten to the door. I turned around and I saw Miss Frazier wobble out of the bathroom and then Mr. Metal ushered me back inside with this other guy and some other employees I haven't met yet. Well, at first it was just me, Miss Frazier, and that other guy I hadn't met yet before the others came out to see what had happened. Then this detective came in and that's when the fun happened. The same fun we are doing now. You don't know a lot of people? Well, I was hired two days ago to help out in the darkroom. I haven't been able to learn everyone's name yet. Mr. Mitchell doesn't remember you being hired. I can see how that would happen. He's new to the job as well, and my first day of work was yesterday. It's pretty bad luck to have your first day of work be a murder scene. Yes, that's true. Did you notice anything weird about the murder or the scene? Not really. I I remember that the other guy that was ushered in here with me and Miss Frazier claimed he was a security guard, but didn't have a uniform. I just assumed he hadn't gotten it yet, seeing as he is a new hire as well. He's a new hire? Yeah. 
I remember him saying that when the detective questioned us all about our work before she split us off to talk with us one-on-one. Do you remember how long he has worked here? No, I don't remember him saying that, but I wasn't really concerned with the timing of his hire. We were all being accused of murder, and now it's happening all over again with some police chief and child. (sighs) You smoke? So you're a goody-goody. So what if I smoke? I'm sorry that I'm doing it now, but you are stressing me out. I've only been here for a few days, and I've been involved in more trouble and anxiety in two days than I had in two years at my other job. You will just have to excuse me. It smells gross. Get over it. Shepard looks down at Lamont's feet. You have a rather large shoe size, huh? So, I'm an eight. What of it? Uh, No reason. Do you know of anyone who would have a reason to kill Mr. Sully? No, not that I know of. I haven't really been integrated enough into the job to know who hates who. Although, I heard through the grapevine that one day before I was hired, Mr. Sully turned down an offer that would have given him a ton of money, as well as his employees, and I really don't think people would be so happy with Mr. Sully after that. But that's nothing to kill over, right? You'd be surprised. Really? Well, I know I've read in papers that people have killed for less than that. Exactly. Do you have any other information that might help us? I don't think so. But if it's any help, I really don't think Miss Frazier was the killer. I mean, she was in the bathroom when the gunshots went off, and I can attest for that. It would be a shame to see someone go to jail for no reason. I think you should be more concerned on whether or not we find you guilty. I didn't do it, sir. I would never. Besides, I'm not a killer. You can be sure of that. Just because you say it doesn't make it so. All right. I have to get back to my work. The photos should be ready. Okay. That's all we have to ask anyway. Lovely. I hope you find the right killer. Lamont goes back into the dark room. Shepard and Charles start to go find Bix. He saw Miss Frazier come out of the bathroom. That means what he said about her getting sick is true, huh? I would believe so. That means the only ones who don't have someone to vouch for them is Linda Black and our last suspect, Graham Biggs, who we haven't questioned yet. So he might have an alibi. But Miss Black had small feet, though. She couldn't have done it. Anyone could have worn larger shoes to make the imprint in the blood, just in case they did step in something to throw off the case. And since this was premeditated, that's certainly possible. We can't rule someone out just because they have small feet. Okay. Hey. Isn't that our suspect now? I mean, that's a guy I don't remember questioning. He seems like he's leaving. Hey, sir! Hey! Bix stops in his tracks and turns around. Yes. Where are you going? I was going to get something to eat and go home. My shift is over for the day. The night guard is coming in now. I mean, it's almost 8 o'clock. It got dark pretty quick. That's because the printing press opened so late. Well... It's time to head out now. Wait, we have some questions to ask you about the murder of John Sully. I was already questioned by a detective. Can this wait? No, it cannot. And I'm not the detective. If the London police chief wants to speak with you, the London police chief will speak to you. Now, you will either submit to being questioned, or I take you to jail now. All right, as as long as we can do this quickly so I can eat and go home. I'm tired. We don't need to go to some jail. I didn't do anything. Bix takes out a cigar and lights it. You smoke? Been doing it since I could. Calms my nerves. I know it's not healthy, but it's a habit I can't break. Is that a crime? No, but having big feet is. 
What are you, a knight? Eight and a half. Are these the calibers of questions you're going to ask me? Is this some kind of joke? No, sorry. What we actually want to know is, where were you at the time of the murder? Ah, uh, I was walking around the inside of the building near the stairs when I heard the gun go off. I ran to see where they're coming from and Mr. Metal came over, pushing Miss Frazier and Mr. Lamont behind him and told me I couldn't leave until someone came. I assume he thought I was running. I wasn't. I mean, why would I? I'm a security guard. Anyway, Miss Black, Mr. Woods, and Miss Lindsay came in shortly after and then the detective came in right after that. Pretty crazy how she was there right in the place at the right time. You know everyone's name? How is that? Aren't you new? Yeah. I was hired two days ago. I have a pretty good memory, though. Besides, I was introduced to everybody by Mr. Sully. I had to learn the names. Is that all you want? No. We also want to know if there's anyone with a motive to kill Mr. Sully. I don't know. I'm not really familiar with anything that could set people off around here. I do know about the business transaction that made everyone upset for Mr. Sully giving up... But that would mean everybody except for myself and I think Mr. Lamont had a motive to kill. I've heard that it was a lot of money. Why wouldn't it give you or Mr. Lamont a motive? Because we were hired after the business deal was nixed. Can't give someone an incentive to kill that was never theirs in the first place, right? Right. Is there anything else that you can tell us? Like anything weird about the crime scene? No, I'm not good with details. I'd question Lamont and Fraser, though. They were the ones caught first and nearest to the office. I mean, they had to be if they were carted out by metal, but that's all I got. Okay, you can go home now, I guess. If you need anything else, just call. Sure. Bix leaves and Charles looks up at Shepard. So that's it? You're just letting him go? We aren't anywhere near the killer! I know the killer is one of the three who smoke. It's got to be. I just need that little piece of evidence that ties it all together. I just need a sign. I wish Mum was here. Don't we both, Charlie? But we can solve this. I know it. We just have to stay strong. I can feel the murder being solved. The murder is on the tip of my tongue. Well, how about we go back to Mr. Meadow, sit down, and go over everything? That usually helps Mum out, I think. Yeah, this seems like a good course of action. Come on, Half Point. Shepard and Charles go back to Meadow's office. Hey kids, boy do we have the product for you. Do you ever want to say bad things? Do you have to tell Susie's secret? Then grab your parents and get them to buy you the popular new pen, the Invisiscribble. When you write on a piece of paper, your writing is invisible. No one will ever see the horrible things you write, not even you. Head down to your local mart and get the Invisiscribble today. And I need you, Peggy 
Here to lend you a helping hand. It's March, and as all the little leprechauns in your life bring dirty footprints into your beautiful homes, I'm sure you're all feeling not so lucky. Well, there's a pot of gold at the end of this rainy rainbow, and you guessed it, it's Sophie's Soap Suds. This month, we'll be having a sale. If you buy any one of Sophie's cleaning products, you can get another product 50% off. Stock up this March and feel like the luckiest girl in the world with Sophie's Soap Suds. When all other soaps are duds, try Sophie's Soap Suds. Well, that's all I can do for you, Miss Stone. It's up to you now to wake up. You can't leave London just yet, though. You've made a lot of people happy and put so many scum behind bars. You can't end your journey now. You still have people to catch. At the very least, your attacker. <sighs> I had a feeling that you wouldn't respond. Maybe it's not me you need to hear. Maybe it's that police chief and kid. They seemed like your closest family. Maybe I should call them and get them over here to speak with you. Love is the best medicine. The doctor checks the temperature on Stone's forehead. Well, you're stable. And you aren't burning up. You should be fine. But like I said, it's up to you to wake up. It's your will, your determination that will keep you from slipping into a coma. That will keep you alive. I don't think you lack determination, though. I can see it in the faces of the people you help. I can read it in the papers. The doctor grabs Stone's hand that is clenched tightly in a fist. The doctor just holds her fist. You might not know this, but I'm one of the people you saved. About three years ago, when I was in the Americas studying medicine, my brother had an accident here in London. The police were going to dub it as just that, an accident. But I read that you saw the smallest detail and said otherwise. It was murder. You didn't rest. You didn't stop until you found my brother's killer. By the time word reached me, you had put the monster behind bars that took such a young man out of life. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. When I heard that you were shot, I knew that it was time to repay my debt. This world needs you, Miss Stone. There are countless of other people like me who have lost hope in the world because they were slighted by an exceptionally genius killer. When those killers pop into the world, it's your type that we need. Exceptionally genius law-abiding individuals that will go up against the monsters and prevail. I just 
wanted you to know that. So please, please don't die, Miss Stone. For my brother, please. The doctor gets up to leave, but notices that Stone's grip has relinquished. Miss Stone? She notices the piece of paper in Stone's hand. What's this? She reads it. My gosh! She solved her own case before she was killed! She wrote down her notes and ripped them off so the killer wouldn't take them. She held on to it for dear life! She she must have heard me! I must phone that chief of police. He must be... She looks at the paper to find a clue. Here! At the printing press! She phones the printing press. Metal answers, and then after she explains, he gives the phone to Shepard. Yes? Come quick! Miss Stone has information that will help your case. I know that she would want to give it to you. You have to come now. Shepard nods and grabs Charles. They both take off to the hospital. Once there, the doctor gives Shepard the note Stone had. This... this is it! I know who the killer is now! I've solved the case! Don't you worry, Mum. We're going to get that killer for you. And he's going to pay! Come on, Charlie. Let's go pay that liar a visit. He was the only one who seemed to know everything. Let's go get us a killer. Here we end the 15th episode of Stone Cold Mysteries with the challenge. Find the killer. Were you paying attention? You now have all the tools to solve the murder. Message us on Twitter or Facebook at Cougar Radio WCUG with the killer, the motive, and the how. Tune in next time to hear the solution and to listen to another Stone Cold Mystery.